As I was uh, going through this week, I had something completely different in mind, but um, I've been experiencing uh, a few things myself, and as I was just speaking to the Lord and, and, and spending time with Him, this passage just stood out to me, and I, I was really so blessed by it, uh, knowing who Christ is, just to, to, to read of his earthly ministry and the fact that he had such compassion on people when he was on this earth. So I, um, I decided that this would be the passage that I would love to share with you this morning as we, as we look at God's word and we listen to what he has to say to us, each one of us. Now, in our passage, you will find two miracles. It's as if the two miracles are interweaved with one, one another. The first was a woman who was sick with a flow of blood for 12 years. That's quite a long time. And the second miracle is the daughter of Jairus that, um, that basically died, died nah? while Jesus was on his way to heal her. At first she was just sick, uh, but she died. And Jairus was the the ruler of the synagogue, and he begged Jesus to come and to heal his daughter. So Jesus agreed. And uh, he did exactly that. He was on his way to heal that little girl. Now the thing was, in Jesus' day, because he did such miracles, large groups of people would gather around Christ. And it wasn't, and don't think it was because they wanted to hear what Christ had to say. Yeah, they would listen to him, but they were there for the miracles. Uh, it's the same thing today as well. If you want to see people gather, large groups of people, just talk about miracles. And you'll see large groups of people will gather because they want to see miracles. People are just so gullible when it comes to miracles. But in this case, we see two miracles, one after the other. Amazing to see. But before Jesus, so we have this crowd of people around Christ. Jesus on his way to heal a little girl. And this woman comes and she touches his garment. And I would like to focus on this woman. Not on the daughter but on this woman and look at her life for a little while. Beloved, I believe if I had to ask you, have you experienced illness in your life? I think most of us would say yes. Some of us might have experienced chronic illness or might experience still chronic illness. Some might have experienced serious illness where they've been in hospital like Sister Margaret, she's been in ICU. Um, she's not well at all. Other people might have had other kinds of illnesses. But I think we all experience illness in some other way. Because we live in a broken, sinful world. This world is cursed. And one of the things that's going to happen in this world is people are going to get sick. People are going to die. It's a reality of life. Uh, even though we kind of try to, to shy away from it, 
and we think that if we imagine that it's not going to happen, then it will not happen. But the reality is, it is going to happen at some other time. Some other time in your life, you're going to be sick. Before I was diagnosed with cancer, I can count on my one hand how many times I've been to the doctor. Now my hands are filled up because of complications and things that's happening. All of a sudden, within two and a half years, my life has changed completely. And it's because of illness. This woman, we read about in Mark chapter 5, was ill with the same illness for 12 years. Think about it. We don't know how old she was. We don't even know her name. But what we do know about her is that she was ill for 12 years, which means that she had a chronic illness. Something that was like a pest. Something that she had to experience every single day of her life for 12 years. Until, obviously, Jesus touched her and she received a miracle. This amazing miracle that Jesus did for her. It seems as if her illness had something to do with constant bleeding. There are speculation of what that constant bleeding could be. It could have been a tumor, for all we know. It could be something else that was happening inside her body that caused her to bleed. What we can assume is that she must have been weak by the time that she touched the garment of Christ. She must have been very weak. But she knew that she was under this constant burden of being ill. And I believe after 12 years of chronic illness, she must have been desperate to just get rid of this illness. And, and I think she must have gone to the point or came to the point where she would do anything. If this illness could just leave her, just be healed, she would do anything. Because 12 years is a long time to have exactly the same illness day in and day out. Now, our passage tells us that she went from doctor to doctor to try to, to get treatment. But it seems that things just got worse rather than better. So you can say that she started off with bleeding and as time went on and as she saw more and more doctors and she came under their treatment she just became worse and worse and worse poor woman and let me tell you I've read this story many times since I've been saved many many a time but now when I read the story there's a compassion in my heart for her that's never been there before. Because I've experienced a little tiny bit of what she's experienced for 12 years, I've experienced for two years, two and a half years. She's no longer with us, but it's just as if my heart just goes out to her. Because I understand what she must have gone through. You might be sitting here with a chronic illness. You might be sitting here knowing someone that has a chronic illness. Maybe a family friend, 
uh, somebody that you know. To live with chronic illness is tough. It's hard. And as believers in Christ, we're not exempt. We also get sick. We also have a sinful nature. We're also under the curse. Praise God, we've been saved and we will have eternal life where we will be free, that's for sure. But the reality is that we are all subject to the curse that came upon this earth and upon human beings through Adam and Eve and their disobedience to God. I believe that this woman must have been desperate for a miracle. Maybe you can identify with her. Maybe your illness has been such that you've been wondering, Lord, when is this going to end? Can't you just please just step in and do something? I need a miracle, Lord. It's interesting how this woman, she was so desperate. Now, we, we look at her from the perspective of faith. Now, she was this woman of faith because she just had this thing inside of her. This is Jesus of Nazareth, and I have heard that he has done a lot of miracles. He's healed a lot of people. So only if I can just touch his garment, I believe he will be able to heal me. And we look at her from that perspective. We look at her as a woman with faith. And, and let me tell you that's true. Jesus, when he spoke to her, he says, your faith has healed you. But I look at her, before the faith stepped in, I looked at her, I look at her as a woman in desperation. Desperate. And, and why do I say that? She's been to doctors and doctors and doctors and doctors trying to be healed. Nothing worked. And I believe that makes us desperate. I would like you to try to place yourself in her shoes for a moment. And, and one thing that we need to remember with, when it comes to the medical profession is, in those days, the medical profession was extremely primitive. Even though Luke, man, the, one of the writers of the Gospels, he was a doctor. But the medical profession was extremely primitive. Today, an organ transplant is, organ, is, is common. In those days, it would be unimaginable that you would take the kidney out of one person and put it into somebody else, or the heart of someone and put it into another person. I mean, now they're looking at taking organs that's grown out of pigs and put it into people. The medical profession those days were extremely primitive. A woman that has a problem with bleeding like this woman had goes and sees, could be a gynecologist or could go and see a specialist. They would do a few scans and they would figure out what the problem is. If it's chronic, they get chronic medication or get operation or whatever. In those days, it wasn't like that. But still, she went to see the doctors that she could go and see to try to be healed because she had to live with this illness every single day and it seems as if her illness was incurable 
It's like terminal cancer. Doctors get to a point when a person is terminal, they, they would say, listen, we're going to put you on palliative care or palliative care, and then all they do is they just manage the pain until that person passes away. And most probably this woman was waiting for death to come. But what she did, it's amazing. Obviously, there was this massive crowd that must have caught her attention. We don't know how she knew Jesus was coming. We don't know how she knew that Jesus was the healer. Most probably, the word just spread all over the place that Jesus was healing people. So, that was kind of her idea. Listen, if I can only get to him. If I can only touch him, I will be healed. Because he has got the ability to heal people. And that's what she did. She turned to Jesus, her last hope. She had no more hope on this earth. Because nobody could help her. So she pushed her way through the crowd. That's how I see it in my, my, my spirit eye. I see it. She pushed through the crowd. And, and I, I would think to myself, what went on in the heart of that woman the closer she got to Christ? Maybe this is the moment. I'm getting closer. If I touch him, I'm going to be healed of this illness that I've been carrying in my body for 12 years. She had this expectation Faith, trust, if I just touch him, I will be healed. Well, we've got the scriptures, and that's amazing, because the scripture teaches us that that's exactly what happened. When she touched him, immediately, she was healed. That is just absolutely amazing. But something happened. And this is, this is something that's beautiful if you, if you look at it and if you understand what happened. I mean, Jesus was in the midst of a crowd of people. No? And here this one woman comes and she touches him. She touches his garment. Not him. She touches his garment. And he says immediately, who touched me? Who touched my clothes? How did Jesus know somebody touched his clothes? The passage tells us that power went out of him. No? And because power went out of him, he knew that somebody touched him in a specific way. You see, this woman touched Jesus by faith. She trusted him. She relied on the fact that he is who he says he is. He is the Jewish Messiah. And he is the one that is going to heal her. So when she touched him, she touched him by faith. And just to, to let you know quickly that Jesus had two natures. You know that? He's the God-man. He's fully God and fully man at the same time. 100% God, 100% man. And when he was in this body, when he was on this earth, he had a human nature and his human nature would not interfere with his divine nature. And his divine nature would not interfere with his human nature. And in that specific instance, when that crowd was around Christ... 
and that woman touched him, when she touched him, the divine nature of Christ, the fact that Jesus is God from the divine nature, power to, to, to heal, left the body of Christ. It went out of him. And his human nature could feel, oh, power left me. He didn't know who touched him. He know, didn't know what it was all about. He just knew power left him. Obviously, I believe that Christ knew that it, the power left him from the divine nature. But because the two natures was in one person, in the person of Jesus Christ, when the divine nature touched that woman, Jesus could feel it in his natural nature. Nah? In his human nature, he could experience power leaving his body. So it was his divine nature that immediately healed that woman in an instant. But the amazing thing is, Jesus stops. He's not happy that she just touched him by faith and that she's healed. Because chances are when she touched him, she disappeared into the crowd. It seems like it in the text. No, he wanted to meet this woman. He wanted to speak to her. And he stops and he asks, who touched me? And the reaction of the disciples, it's typical human, huh? Typical for Jesus. Come on, man, there's such a crowd around you. How in the world everybody's touching you? See, they didn't understand at that stage that who was in front of them was the God-man. Fully human, fully God at the same time. With the ability to heal in his divine nature. That's amazing. So, at the end of the day, this woman gets all her guts together, comes to Christ. And wow, he speaks to her. And he speaks to her personally after healing her. Amazing story. Amazing deliverance of a person that has been caught, that was caught in the grips of illness for 12 years and set free by Christ in a moment. In an instant, what the doctors could not do in 12 years, Jesus did in a split second. Think about that. Especially in the world that we live in, with the massive reliance upon the medical profession. And, and let me tell you, it's amazing what, what is done in the medical profession today. It's beautiful. It's amazing. But it's also amazing to see how people would take Jesus as the last resort, just like this woman. She first went to all the doctors, and at the end, when she got to the end of herself, she turned to Christ by faith. There's a lesson to be learned. There's actually a few lessons to be learned in this passage of Scripture. Let me share some with you, especially when it comes to things that, that you lose or that's possible to be lost, if I can 
use those words um, with regards to somebody that has chronic illness or might be terminal illness, which means they're facing death. First example is when someone is chronically ill or chronically sick, that person could face the loss of, the con- of control of their body. Look at verse 29. It says, Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Now that word, affliction, has a basic meaning of being like a plague or a whip. A whip that you take and hit someone with or something with. That's what that word is. The word affliction. You see, the moment Jesus healed this woman, she could feel that she was delivered from something that was to her like a plague or a whip that was hitting her all the time. Something that was hurting her continuously. She just knew she was delivered from it in that moment. Beloved, when you are chronically sick, it feels sometimes as if you don't have control over your body anymore. It's as if your body doesn't want to obey you. You want your body to do certain things, but your body just doesn't want to do what you want it to do. So your mind tells your body, listen, I want you to do that, but your body says, I'm not going to do it. It's as if your body starts living in disobedience to your mind. And it's a hard place to be. It's a tough place to be. Because when you're younger and your body obeys you, it's easy. You say to your body, listen, do that, and your body does it. But when it comes to chronic illness, it's as if your body stops obeying you. And those who are older, I think you will also understand. Because the older you get, the less your body wants to obey you. You still want to do certain things. You want to pick up that box and move it. But when you, pick, when you bend down to pick it up, you can't get up. Your body just doesn't want to obey you anymore. And that's one of the things that people lose that has chronic illness. And this woman that was sick for 12 years must have experienced losing control over her own body. And think about it for a moment. If you do not have control over your own body anymore, think of a quadriplegic, somebody that has quadriplegia. No control over their body, even though their mind is sharp. Their body just doesn't want to react to whatever their mind tells the body to do. It's like driving on a, on a road. I, I remember many years ago, I was driving down Majuba Pass, and it was one of those cold days, you know, where that little piece of, well, it seemed like it, where a little layer of ice developed on the road. And as I took the turn, the car just started sliding. And whatever I did, I could go back in gears. I could put foot, I tried to put the brake on. I tried to turn the steering wheel. Nothing happened. The car just continued to spin out until I hit the other side of the road. I had no control over the vehicle. 
And somebody with chronic illness is very much the same, where they, at the end of the day, feel as if their body just doesn't want to listen to them anymore. You see, this was the condition of this woman. This was the embarrassing condition of this woman. She had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Think about her going into society and everything that she had to do just to make sure that people don't look at her, don't smell her. Think about that for a moment. Her body was no longer under her control. She lost control over her body. Another example of loss for someone who is chronically ill is that the person could face the loss of identity. Uh, that's sometimes what happens is people with chronic illness or terminal illness, what happens is they get defined by their illness. Not who they are, they get defined by their illness. I mean, this woman in the story doesn't even have a name. Do you notice that? I, I said it before. She didn't have a name. In verse 25, you see it says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. She's identified with her sickness, not with who she is. She's not identified as a person. She's identified as a sickness, as an illness. You must have heard it before that people are identified as, oh, he or she has cancer. Or he or she is suffering some other illness. Or you see that man or woman in the wheelchair? The person is identified with their illness and not identified as a person. What did Jesus do? He stopped. He wanted to speak to her. You know why? Because she was important. He didn't identify her with her illness. That's not what her new identity was for him. For Christ, she was a person, an individual. You see, sometimes, unfortunately, people, especially when people are sick for a long period of time, they lose their identity in their sickness, in their illness. They get identified by the kind of disability that they have instead of who they are. And she faced it. That's what she experienced. And especially in a close-knit society that they were in in those days. It must have been tough for this poor woman. Another example of loss when someone is chronically sick or ill is that a person could face the loss of certainty and purpose and, growth and, and worth. Look at verse 27. When she heard about Jesus... 
she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. This woman was so uncertain of herself, she wouldn't even face Jesus. She wouldn't even come before him and say, please, Lord, save me, or please, Lord, heal me. No, she came from behind, and she touched him. That's how uncertain she was about herself. You see, with a chronic illness, everything starts revolving around that illness, and the illness becomes the person's new identity. The person who used to know who they are in Christ or who they know are in life and where they're going and what their mission in life is, they start feeling very uncertain about themselves as this illness progresses. So by the time that she got to 12 years, she must have been extremely uncertain about herself. I mean, when it comes to chronic illness or when it comes to terminal illness, for, for, for sure, it's only when the illness allows you to work that you can work. Getting up in the morning sometimes depends on the illness. The things that used to be obvious just becomes subject to the illness. If a person with a chronic illness loses their certainty and their purpose and their worth, it doesn't take long for them to fall into a depression or just to fade into the background and become a nobody. How many people do you know that ended up in an old age home where they are frail or they ended up in a place of care and hardly anybody visits them because all they've become is their illness? no longer the person it's as if the person has faded into nothingness we don't know where this woman was but the fact that she came from behind to touch Jesus tells us she was already far gone and it's a sad sad place to be beloved another example of loss when someone is chronically ill is that person could face the loss of their place in society. Now, looking at what we just said, what I just said, someone who's chronically ill or terminally ill could just easily fade into the background and just become the illness. This woman came and touched Jesus during a crowded moment. Why did she come when everybody was there? Why didn't she meet Jesus one-on-one? -on -one? Maybe it was when she was part of the group or the crowd, she was unnoticed. If she came by herself, she would have been noticed. Because in society those days, she was a cast out. Remember, she was a woman and she was bleeding all the time. And those days they had purification rituals that they had to go through. And uh, the fact that she was bleeding all the time meant that she was a cast out of society. So with the crowd around her, at least she would blend in for a moment and she could touch Jesus, sneak up from behind. Hopefully nobody would see her. You see, that's what chronic, 
chronic illness does, terminal illness does, it's, it removes people from their place in society. And it's society that does it. It's not the person. It's society. It's incredible what the text says in verse 33. Just look at that. Verse 33, it says, But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before Jesus and told him the whole truth. This was after she was healed and Jesus stopped and said, Who touched me? With fear and trembling, she came and fell before Christ. But she knew that the bleeding stopped. But you could see this this woman full of fear, trembling. She has to face Jesus. Yes, he healed her. She must have been grateful, but she has to face him. And she has to face the crowd. Because she's been a cast out of society for so long. All of a sudden now she's going to be the focal point of society, of that group of people. But beloved, sickness also places strain on relationships. On the sick sick person himself or herself, on that person's job, their hobbies, and even their close family. We don't know where her family was. We don't know where her friends was. Or were. We just don't know. Sometimes what happens with chronically ill people is they start associating with other sick people because they fit in at least. Because they do not fit into the healthy world anymore. Because those who are healthy many times don't care about the chronically sick and chronically ill and terminally ill. Another example of loss is when someone, when someone is chronically sick, is that person could face the loss of the most, if not all, of their resources. Look at verse 26. And this just, this just broke my heart. She had suffered many things from many physicians. Now she went from doctor to doctor, suffered many things from many physicians, and then it says... She had spent all that she had. See those words? She spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. You see, the medical system just mocked her. Come, come, money, money, more, more. Just give, give, give. No healing, just give more and more and more. Just demanded more. Even if that person is completely wiped out financially. Doesn't matter. The system made its money. Because that's how the system works. Beloved, that's how the world works. It will bleed you dry and leave you. This woman ran out of money. She was financially ruined. She was financially bankrupt. Emotionally, she was spent. And physically, she was weak. I've seen it in my own life. In the past two and a half years, how much money goes into treatment and it's the one thing after the other. There's a lot of treatment. Make no mistake about it and everybody says, oh, my treatment will help you. Because everybody is out there to make a buck. They will destroy you financially. 
But you've got to continue paying. Well, in South Africa, at least, we've got a medical system now that you can go to hospital and whatever, and it's been paid for by government, which is not true, by the way. Taxpayers are paying for it. Somebody has to pay up. That's the way the system works. But Jesus? Did Jesus say, oh, 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 power went out of me. Where's that woman so I can charge her? Because remember, Jesus was the one. The other doctors couldn't heal her. He was the one who could heal her. And he healed her. But he did it for free. Because that's who Christ is. He has compassion on people. And, and, and I just see the difference between the system of the world and the kingdom of God. It's so much different, isn't it? And I believe that the church is supposed to be the reflection of the kingdom of God rather than the reflection of the world. There's supposed to be this massive difference between the two, even though at the end of the day, unfortunately, we are part of this world. We're part of the system. But I've seen many Christians being ruined. Financially, I'm talking about. And then I wonder to myself, where are the brothers and sisters in Christ that's supposed to understand, that's supposed to be there for one another? That's just a question that came up in my mind. Because we're supposed to be family, are we not? Another example of loss when someone is chronically ill or sick is that person could face loss of hope. This is a bad thing. Look at verse 26. She had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And beloved, if somebody's Physical health just gets worse and worse and worse. You know what is the one thing that they lose? Hope. If you've gone to the tenth doctor, or the fifth one, and now you're financially ruined, you don't have anything anymore, and your condition is just sliding and sliding, it's getting worse and worse and worse. That's when a person loses hope. A person becomes hopeless because they feel there's no way out. And I believe this is where this woman must have been as well, hopeless until she heard Jesus is there and he is able to heal You see, she was de desperate for a miracle, and she received her miracle. And I believe that sometimes it's necessary for us to get to a place where Jesus is the only one we have left. But it always amazes me how people go to him right at the end, rather than in the beginning. Especially as believers. First go to every doctor, and go everywhere, and then turn to Christ. 
There are some more precious lessons that we can learn from our passage. Beloved, let me say it this way. None of us knows or know whether we are going to experience what this woman experienced. Maybe not the same thing. We don't know. We don't know what life is going to bring. That's the reality of life. You can be in full health today, complete, perfect health today. And in a month's time, you can be diagnosed with cancer. In a month's time, a problem can start in your life that just turns your life upside down. That's the reality of life. I mean, my life and the life of my family and my parents and my friends and it's been turned upside down and my life here in the church, it's been turned upside down when I was diagnosed. And especially when things started affecting my mobility. That's when it really started touching me. That's when I really started experiencing what it meant to be, have, a, have a chronic illness. To be in constant pain all the time. And when you have a break from the pain, you say, oh, that's so nice. Knowing that the pain is going to be there again. I know what it means to spend thousands of rands on treatment. I know what it means for my life to be consumed by my illness. And, and I'm not asking you to feel sorry for me. That's not the intention today. I would like us to learn something from this passage of Scripture. Of the life of this woman. I can just identify in a certain sense with her. And that's, it just makes it so alive. Because I can read things and I can see things in her life that I can identify with. And then I think to myself, but there are going to be other people that are going to go through exactly the same thing. And they're not prepared for it. I wasn't prepared for it. I thought I was going to be able to do whatever I needed to do whenever I needed to do it. I'm a child of God. I serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. Now I spend most of my time on my side. Because I can't even sit. So I identify with this woman. But the lesson that I learned from this is just absolutely amazing. So this passage of scripture is an encouragement, but at the same time, it's, 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 there's so many lessons to be learned. So that we can prepare ourselves better as time goes on so that we can be ready if things like this happen to us. Because chances are, at some other time, you're going to experience it. And may you learn from this passage, from this experience of this woman. Let me just share a few more lessons with you. I'm just going to quickly do this. Um, and this is what I've seen in this passage of Scripture that just really touched me. And I, 
Yeah. First one. Run to Christ as quickly as you can. Don't wait. Because He's our hope. He's our strength. And even if your illness need, uh, will continue for 12 years or 20 years, or like Johnny Erickson Tata, who has been paralyzed now for 55 years or more, she's a quadriplegic, can't help herself, been diagnosed with cancer twice, she's got chronic illnesses, she's got chronic pain every day of her life, but her refuge is in Christ. She can open up her eyes in the morning and face the day with Christ. Not in her own strength. And praise the Lord, from a very early age she learned to run to Christ. Obviously we go to doctors. God has given them the ability. He's given them these amazing brains and wonderful hands and and medications and all these kind of things. But first, run to Christ. Because your illness is much more than just the pain in the body. Illness affects every aspect of your life. And it's only Christ that can carry us through. A doctor can only give us medication for our bodies. But Christ has the ability to carry us. So run to him as quickly as you can. That's the first thing. Second thing. Like the woman in our passage believe that Christ Jesus has the ability to do something for you. Beloved, if the Lord does not heal me in this life, it's fine with me. I've said it before and I say it again. Perfect healing is to be with the Lord. Not to be in this body. So believe that Christ is the one that has the ability to do something for you and to carry you through whatever it might be that you're going to experience in your life or you might be experiencing now. He has the ability. And trust Him. Believe in Him for that. Thirdly, be willing to patiently wait on the Lord. I, brought, I read this Somewhere, and it, it really touched me. He said, God does not answer every prayer on Sunday afternoon when we prayed on Sunday morning. You may have to wait until Friday. Or maybe a few days, few weeks, a few months, or maybe even a few years. But God will answer your prayer. And in the meantime, He will accomplish His purpose for allowing whatever He allows over your life to come over you. He's going to change your character into the character of Christ. Wait patiently until He answers your prayer. He will answer it. And by the way, He will answer it if you're His child. Otherwise, the only answer that he's going to give to a prayer is if you're not saved is when you cry out to him for salvation. But if you're God's child, he will answer you. Be patient. 
Beloved, my patience ran out two and a half years ago. One week after I was diagnosed. That's when my patience ran out. And I said, Lord, why haven't you touched me? Because I've had this idea that I serve an instant God, you know, like instant food. I read this passage and I say, wow, instant healing. Isn't this amazing? That's not how it always works. There are times that God touches somebody and it, the person is instantly healed, but there are times that God touches this person whenever he decides, after he completed whatever he wants to complete in that person's life. And sometimes God uses that person's illness to give the person eternal health in heaven by taking that home, uh, the person home through that illness. What we need to do is to wait patiently on him. He knows what he's doing. Trust him. That's the next, the fourth one. Trust him. See, it's one thing to be around Jesus like that multitude, now that crowd that was crowding around Jesus. That's one thing. Did they receive anything from Christ? No. But this woman who trusted him touched his garment. She was healed because she put her full trust in Christ. So trust him. Trust him for that miracle. There's nothing wrong to trust him for the miracle. There's nothing to have faith and say, I believe that God will heal me. Beloved, I believe that God will heal me. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes I think people think that I, would, I want to stay sick. No, I believe God will heal me. But his healing might be when he takes me to heaven. But then I'm healed. Then we all rejoice. For I've been healed. He heals. Because he's our God. But he decides when. According to his will and his purpose. Fifthly. When the Lord leads you. Do what he tells you. Beloved. He may not tell you audibly what to do. You may not hear his voice. You may not see writing in the sky or on a wall. But when God speaks to you through your consecrated or your, your sanctified conscience or through counsel, people that you can trust that loves Christ, or through his word, if the Lord leads you to do something, do it. Don't doubt him. Do what he tells you. Let me conclude with this. Beloved, we don't know what the future holds. But what we do know is who holds the future. We don't know if we will become chronically or terminally ill. We don't know that. What we do know is that we can trust Christ. His healing is always the kind of healing that we need. He knows best. If he decides to heal us here and now, in this life, it is for his glory. If he decides that our illness will be the way that he takes us into eternal life, then so be it. That's fine. It's good. 
For to be perfectly healed is to be with the Lord. Now, Jesus did this miracle for a woman who was struggling. She was at the end of a rope. But she had the courage to step out by faith and to find healing and to find hope. She touched the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of the universe. She touched him and he healed her. You know what is amazing? Jesus not only healed her, He wanted to talk to her. He wanted to know her. That's the Lord we serve. He wants to get to know each one of us by name. So that when you are in your illness and you're at the lowest of lowest, when you cry out to him, he stopped for this woman and he will stop for you and he will stop for me. Because he cares for us. So I want to encourage you to reach out to him. Don't miss your miracle. But beloved, you know what? The first miracle that takes place in the life of every sinner is the miracle of salvation when we are regenerated by God's spirit that's what that table represents this morning Christ Jesus who gave his life for us absolutely amazing when you partake of that bread this morning know that he hung on that cross For your sin. And he took your illnesses. And he took your diseases. And he took everything upon himself. And when he heals us. It's for his glory. He does whatever he does for his glory. So we rest in his glory. We rest in his will. But he did it for us. And that's what that table represents. That Christ did everything necessary. For us to be healed. Whether it's in this life or whether it's eternal healing for eternity. But he did it all. And that's what that table represents. And when you partake of that wine this morning, be reminded of the fact that your sins have been forgiven in Christ. Our sins that would cause us to end up in hell has been taken care of completely. And it washes us. From every single stain that is in us. So that we may have eternal life with him forever and ever. And it was all accomplished by Christ. For you and me. That's what we are reminded of this morning. So if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I want to invite you to, to join us this morning. And let's partake of the Lord's Supper as we are reminded of what Christ has done for us, this first amazing miracle. And in this life of this woman, the second miracle, obviously, is when God heals us, forgives us of our sin, and takes us home to be with him forever and ever.
Let's pray. Father, it's such a privilege to come to you this morning. Thank you for a story, a historical narrative, a story from the life of Christ when he was on this earth, where we see what he did for this woman who was really suffering. Thank you, Father, that we can learn so much. And I mean, we, I haven't even touched on everything. Thank you that we can learn so much from her life. I pray, Father, that the inability that I have to really take your word and to make it alive for your people, that you will be the, the one who takes it and makes it alive so that we may be edified, trust you more, walk in step with your word every single day, knowing that you care for us. And Father, as we partake of the table of remembrance now, we are reminded of that amazing miracle that you've done in our lives when you saved us from our sin. You saved us from eternal damnation and gave us the gift of the rebirth. Father, thank you that we can be reminded. We pray that your name be glorified, that you be lifted up as we remember what you've done for us in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.